Well, today has seen fairly thin trade with no massive moves, but maybe that's about to change because there's lots of data today, including Aussie wages, US retail sales, Canada's CPI, UK employment, and a splurge of data from China, their activity data. Will that simply confirm the extent of the China slowdown? So lots for markets to absorb today. Let's see if we can figure out what to expect. It's Tuesday, the 15th of August, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar is up again by a quarter percent on the DXY. The Aussie is not down by the same amount, but it is down below 64.9 US cents and did get down to 64.5. It's down 4.9% so far this year, though. The Japanese yen is weaker still, another 0.4% down on the US dollar. The euro also down 0.4% as well. US stocks have bounced back, particularly in late trade. We've got a 1% rise in the NASDAQ, 0.6% for the S&P. The Dow has been in the red all session but just edged into the green just uh, before close and mixed in Europe with the DAX up half a percent the FTSE 100 down a quarter percent but smaller moves in bond yields but they are still climbing up three basis points for 10-year treasuries up to 4.19 percent they did get up to 4.21 percent during the session which actually is the highest since November the UK has seen another four basis points added to 10-year gilts as well up to 4.56 percent so they're getting within a whisker of uh, 4.6% earlier in the session and Australian 10-year yields up to 4.19% yesterday up over 4.2% this morning on futures and oil is down today WTI down 0.8%, Brent down 0.7%. It has been thin trade, it's fair to say. Uh, there's not a lot that's been going on, but we do see, and there's a lot to come, but we have been seeing a continuation of the themes uh, from the last few days, which we'll go through with Sally Ald from JB Weir. Uh, so, you know, what is driving the markets right now, Sally? We've got Treasury yields still rising, the US dollar continuing to move up, the yen getting weaker by the day. We've talked about the themes that are driving this, how long does this carry on for, I wonder? Yeah, good morning, Phil. Yes, it's, it's interesting. I mean, yields are, as you said, creeping higher on on not very much. And when we look at um, the level of real yields in the 10-year part of the curve, um, you know, they're, they're sort of pushing up towards 1.8, 1.9%, which is sort of their highest level in, in well over um, a decade. And, you know, I guess the market is you're just continuing to reprice this outlook for a a US economy where growth is probably stronger than expected. Like if we look at, I guess, the the sort of pattern of forecast revisions for US economic growth over the last month or two, it's been very clearly in one direction and that's been upwards. Um, Sort of starting to to think that maybe, you know, the, the reasonably big easing cycle that was priced in for later this year and into 2024, that might look a little bit overdone um, in a world where the US economy is continuing to to grow above trend. So markets have sort of just been pulling, starting to just reprice that that outlook and taking out some of um, those those rate cuts. Um, and so in, in that sort of world, you know, I guess um, from an FX perspective, people are sort of saying, look, you know, US, US, the structure of US rates looks pretty appealing relative to most other locations in the world. And, you know, there's a little bit of yeah, US exceptionalism. The US economy continues to do really well at a time where clearly massive question marks about China, European growth has disappointed, sort of get the feeling that the antipodean economies like Australia and New Zealand have probably um, seen the best of growth that's now behind them. Um, and then, you know, of course, the UK is dealing with a, a pretty challenging set of circumstances. So at least in the developed markets complex, you know, I guess the, the US economy does stand out and that's 
but it's, it seems it's, to be what's what's happening. Yeah, sure. where, 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 mm. where people are gravitating towards. But it's bonds, isn't it? I mean, you're not going to get a lot of extra interest in uh, in, in US uh, equities, are you? If we've got real yields, as you say, pushing to the close to the highest level since 2009. Yeah, that's right. It's going to make it hard for US equity markets. You know, even though they've had what you'd call a pretty pretty modest correction in the last couple of weeks, um, you know. A lot of their valuation metrics, so you know, forward PE ratios are still looking reasonably elevated. You know, they're they're a couple of points above long run averages. So, um, you know, you would argue that unless there's you know a dramatic sort of reset earnings outlook, that rising real yields and already expensive PE valuations is slightly uncomfortable mm. for for US equity markets. Yeah. yeah. So Goldman Sachs predicting uh, this morning that there'll be a rate cut as soon as Q2 next year in the United States, even though. You know, there's many saying it's not going to happen until 2025. So it just shows this massive uncertainty about how all this plays out, doesn't it? And, uh, you know, and what that means for for bond yields and how far they actually go. I mean, 10 years, you know, as we've been talking about, it's creeping up, getting very close to four four and a quarter percent this morning. Yeah, that's right. So I think Goldman's have got a pretty constructive view on the trajectory of core inflation in the US. And so I think they feel by sort of middle of next year that, um, you know, core PCE inflation, which we know is the series that the Fed focuses on, you know, will be below 3% on a year-on-year basis and probably below 25 on a monthly annualised basis. And so, you know, that, that will give potentially the Fed a little bit of comfort that the job is done on inflation and then thus the opportunity just to, to cut rates, um, you know, in order to normalise the funds rate from, you know, what's a pretty restrictive level back to something that's a little bit closer um, to neutral. So it's, it's sort of, it's unusual because, you know, Goldman's are not forecasting a recession. They've been, you know, a long time proponent of the soft landing thesis for the US economy. So this whole idea of, you know, why do you cut outside of a recession, I think really has to be one that's couched as normalization, which is never a super urgent, um, motivation for cutting rates. And so for that, in that context, I think maybe Goldman's are saying, look, you know, we've, we've penciled in the rate cut for second quarter of 2024. Um, but clearly the risk is that the FMC, FOMC could hold, you know, for much longer than that. Yeah, but normally, I mean, they are saying returning to normalisation, aren't they? So in effect, job mm. job done faster than anyone else is expecting that to be the case. So look, uh, before we look at the deluge of data that we've got coming out today, because it's the opposite of the last 24 hours, that's for sure. Uh, just a, an, another bit of sort of like semi-local news. I mean, the Kiwi dollar down a quarter percent today, for, actually about the same as the, the, the Aussie dollar. Uh, we talked yesterday just about how there's uh, virtually zero expectation of a rate rise from the RBNZ tomorrow. Since then, we've had the services PM, uh, PSI, which uh, fell quite mm-hmm. a bit in July from 49.6 to 47.8. So further into contraction territory. In the jobs market, we're seeing applications bear jobs rising sharply as well. So the economy is slowing quite a lot, isn't it? So no surprise that no one's really expecting the RBNZ to move too much more. I mean, I'm just looking at some of these numbers and thinking, could this be the case study of the banker that actually went too far? Perhaps? Yeah, they did lift earlier than than some of their, their peers and they've, they've lifted quite aggressively. So the cash rates of 5.5%, which is, you know, one of the, yep. the higher cash rates out there. Um, and I guess, you know, we are starting to see that impact the broader economy. So obviously housing has been weaker um, as you mentioned, the services PMI is now well and truly in contraction territory. And you can see very clearly 
um, a downward trend in that series and the labour market is starting to loosen up a little bit. And so, you know, for a central bank, this is sort of what's meant to happen, um, you know, when you when you take rates higher. Um, so I think they'll have broad confidence that the setting of policy is, is sort of doing what they want it to do. And as you said, the question is, is it doing a little bit um, too much? Yeah, but I think, um, you know, at the moment, you know, the, the RBNZ has been so resolute in its determination, you know, to get inflation back to target that I don't think they, they're going to flinch um, in the face of some weaker data just yet. Right now, important number for Australia today, uh, the wage price index, which of course has been rising sharply, you know, over the last year. That's been a trend upwards up to 3.7% annual growth last time. I mean, levels we've not really seen since 2012. Uh, so that is a concern, isn't it? Well, I guess the the answer to that one is it depends. I mean, the the consensus and and the guys at NAB Economics are looking for a rise of nine tenths of a percent today, and that'll take, as you said, the annual rate to three point seven percent. It's broadly in that three and a half to four percent zone where. The RBA governor has said, we're pretty comfortable with that. We're okay with that, um, assuming that labour productivity starts to to lift. So this is the big sting in the tail with that wages number. It could be okay if productivity starts to lift or if it doesn't, um, then that's going to pose some pretty significant challenges for the central bank. So at the moment, you know, they've taken the optimistic view um, and the governor spoke about this on Friday at his last parliamentary testimony where he said, yes, we expect wages growth to pick up. And in fact, they did actually push up their forecast for wages growth in their last statement on monetary policy. But I think that's going to be okay because we've also penciled in a lift in productivity growth. And if we get those two things happening broadly at the same time, then that's going to be uh, pretty sympathetic with inflation coming back to target as we forecast. So it's all really contingent on this idea that labour productivity, which has been basically doing nothing for the last couple of years starts to starts to pick up and then japan's gdp for q2 is out today as well uh, and you know the, if their gdp is growing at three percent or so i mean you can see the two arguments here can't you i mean on the one side people saying well look the economy is running hot you're going to have to cool it down otherwise you're going to get inflation out of control on the other side i'm sure the bank of japan is there saying hey look you know we haven't got high inflation or you know we think it's under control and look we've got gdp growing uh we've got a share market that's doing well we're doing all right thanks very much i wonder who's right yeah that's right so i mean if we if we get sort of what the economists have forecast you know, it'll be yet another quarter where the japanese economy has grown well above trend um and so yeah. the whole idea i think for the bank of japan who are you know, trying to juggle a few, quite a few balls at the moment. Um, you know, they have been reasonably cautious about not getting sort of too in love with what's gone on with Japanese inflation just yet. And, and what they're hoping to see is, you know, I guess a, a sort of sustained lift in inflation to that 2% target and one that they can really believe is going to be there um, for the medium to longer term. So, you know, I would have thought that, you know, if you get another pretty decent GDP number today, it's another sort of notch in the belt that, things are moving in in the right direction. Um, but they have been, I guess, very cautious about, you know, embracing the good news on inflation. And, and maybe that's understandable given their experience of the last couple of decades. It's, it's um, not going to change the yen but, you know, I think or, it, or change yields too much, though, is it? I mean, it's... I mean, it, it, that pattern is set in, isn't it? You know, d- driven by the fact that we've got these very different approaches being taken by the central banks. The yen's not going to change mm. in any way, is it? I don't think so, no. I mean, Japan's... Yeah, it's made its intentions pretty clear, right? It's mm. it's sort of loosened up the, the broad yield curve control target, but it's made its intentions pretty clear that it doesn't want 10-year yields at 1% anytime soon. No. 
So it's trying to engineer a sort of gradual, I guess, a reshaping of the the interest rate structure um, in Japan. And, yeah. you know, this is sort of what happens. Like you can't control everything. If you want to control the level of rates, then, you know, you've got to let the currency go. And, and uh, you know, for Japan, we're now approaching on, on dollar yen, those sort of levels where have seen the Ministry of Finance get a little bit uncomfortable and, and possibly intervene. So I guess markets will be reasonably alert to so that So I guess the Aussie dollar is going to be fairly responsive as well to the numbers we're getting out of China because there could be more signs of mm. the China slowdown. So retail sales, unemployment, industrial production, asset investment all out today. Uh, and, you know, year on year, I mean, these are expected to rise, aren't they? But if it's a surprise on the downside, which I guess is possible given what we've been seeing lately, I mean, the Aussie dollar, obviously it takes takes a bit of a beating anytime there's any bad news coming out of China. Yeah, that's right. So it's, you know, it's sort of hovering around that 65 cents level or, or a bit below. But, you know, we get the China activity data for July today, as you mentioned. I mean, the numbers we've seen for July already, which have been the trade data and the credit data, have been very weak. Um, and so I guess that sort of sets up expectations as we head into those numbers later today. And then on top of that, you know, we've had the the headlines sort of swirling around in the last few days about, you know, a property developer and a wealth manager, you know, missing payments. Um, and so that's starting, I think, to make people fret a little bit about, you know, financial stability and, and the possibility of um, something unraveling there. Um, and then, you know, all of this is has sort of still been met with, I guess, relative relatively uh, few policy initiatives from authorities and you sort of get the sense that the longer that nothing happens, the more likely it might be that that nothing happens. And you know, that's a, a very sort of different, I guess, picture for, for China than many investors have been accustomed to over the last decade or so. Um, but it's certainly not one that's overly constructive for the Aussie dollar. And so I think, you know, if the US dollar doing so well, um, it's yeah. going to be difficult, I think, given Again, the back the yeah, around China. Yeah. yeah, more of the same. Okay, look, I've done my job very badly here, Sally, because uh, three big bits of data that we've got to talk about, and we've only got like a minute or two to mm-hmm. talk about them. So we've got UK uh, employment, including average earnings and labour productivity. So obviously important numbers for the, for the UK mm-hmm. and for the Bank of England. We've got Canada's inflation. I mean, it, it looked for a while like Canada had beaten inflation, but, you know, there's an expectation the core rate will pick up a little in mm-hmm. July. And U.S. retail sales, what are we looking for there as well today? I think some pretty decent numbers on on U.S. retail. The market seems pretty comfortable that so far the U.S. consumer continues to, to hold in okay. And I guess labour market remains tight, starting to get real wages moving in the right direction with inflation coming down. And so I guess the combination of those two things and some of the more timely data on card spending um, probably has given forecasters some confidence that we're going to get another okay number. So you do wonder, don't you, how are they managing to, I mean, this I can't ask this question now because we haven't got time to answer it, but I mean, it's a, a question we can all think about. What are they doing right? How is the US getting this soft landing that everyone else is, is struggling to get? Uh, there's a, perhaps a conversation for the weekend sometimes. Indeed, so. a topic for another day. I'm sure we've all got our theories on that. Anyway, uh, yes, we'll explore that on our weekend edition. We'll do that. All right, good to talk now, Sally. Uh, we'll catch you again very soon. Thank you. Cheers, Phil. Thank you. And that's it for this Tuesday morning from NAB. I'm Phil Dobby. Back again tomorrow morning. Thanks for listening.